This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Welcome back to Launchpad on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 111. I'm your host this week, Carl Ulrich. I'm Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at the Wharton School, where I teach entrepreneurship, innovation, as well as product design. This week, we've got a really interesting show. We're interviewing eight of the semifinalists in the Penn Wharton Entrepreneurship Startup Showcase and Startup Challenge. And these are student entrepreneurs who are any student at the University of Pennsylvania may participate, but they're doing real things. And and many of our past winners of many of the past participants in the startup challenge have gone on to create important and interesting companies. So this is real stuff. And it's it's really interesting because we get to see these companies right at their birth. It's a huge pleasure to have these guests in the studio today. I'm super lucky now to be joined in the studio by Seth Neal, who is a co-founder of Welligence. Uh, Welligence is another semifinalist. Seth, thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. So, Seth, you had the benefit of seeing here, listening to Haley get grilled. So uh, we're going to take basically the same format. Give me the elevator pitch for Welligence. Yeah. So uh, I didn't bring any treats, unfortunately, uh, just algorithms for me. But uh so that, it, that is a treat for me. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, so it, it won't surprise any of the listeners that uh, one of the largest industries in the world is the energy industry. Um, if you look at uh, you know the top companies in the world um, by market cap, certainly a lot of them, the majority of them are in oil and gas. And so a tremendous amount of uh, capital has been invested in improving the processes for um, upstream exploration. So really producing oil and gas, whether it's drilling, uh, fracking, um, but uh, what really surprised me uh, when I first found this out is that uh, in some areas, the same level of investment has not really um, been applied on the data side. So in terms of the algorithms that really determine uh, what the future production is going to look like and uh, yeah, you know, where to drill and kind of to help uh, the real decision makers uh, put, put data behind their decisions. So what Welligence does is uh, we gather the richest data set of uh, upstream oil and gas data, uh, we think, in the world, uh, particularly in Latin America, and we build our own proprietary models to forecast well-by-well production, which is then combined into these um, pretty clean uh, data tools for our clients to use and make better decisions. All right. Well, boy, there's a lot here. And I really had to switch gears from uh, dog treats to uh, big data. So, um, first of all, I want to I want to just congratulate you on an awesome name. Welligence is a great name, Thanks. and I and you have the that. full dot com, which is awesome. So, if if folks want to check it out, it's Welligence dot com. That's like intelligence, but Welligence dot com. All right. Well, let's start with the the customer side of this business. So give us an example of who cares about this data. Yeah, yeah. sure. So there's a couple main client uh, segments, uh, but the big ones are going to be exploration and production companies who are either looking to acquire new assets or just want to see how the outside market would view their own assets. Uh, so that's extremely important for planning, um, you know, how they allocate capital. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. But, but hold it. So would they want to know about their own assets or about the 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 context in which they're operating? 
Yeah, so it, it, it could be both. It could mm-hmm. be in terms of acquiring new ones, mm-hmm. uh, seeing how we would value those based on what our production forecasts look like, or their own if they wanted to sell um, to try and validate their own kind of internal models. But this is what they do. Is right. is is uh, is explore and explore and acquire and and what what are the two? It's explore and used another word. Uh, produce. Produce. Yeah, explore yeah, and yeah. produce. So this is what they do. Yeah. Why don't they have models to do this? So so they do about maybe their own assets. Yeah. But in terms of other people's assets, okay. I think uh, part of the reason is that um, you know acquiring the data is difficult mm-hmm. uh, and. It's kind of a skill set that you'd find more like a data science skill set that maybe is less common Mm -hmm. or uh, the industry hasn't fully embraced yet. Um, But I think uh, the real answer to this question is that they do have very complex systems and these are large companies that look at it, but they all take an immense amount of outside research. And the real issue is that the outside research uh, currently doesn't use any of the available data. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then let's flip to the to the supply side, to mm-hmm. the data side. Where, where does this data come from? I, I wouldn't think that people operating wells would provide their data. So so just tell us a little bit about where it comes from. Yeah, so um, right now our main focus is on Latin America. Mm-hmm. And uh, the in almost all of these countries, the main oil producer uh, is the state-run oil company. Uh-huh. And they, they um, typically provide access to their data for a variety of reasons, uh, you know, to encourage outside investment, for example, mm-hmm. um, or just a level of transparency that's expected from a, a government entity. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a main reason they provide the data. On the flip side, uh, that makes, because it's kind of not a commercial entity that's providing the data uh, for a specific purpose, it makes the data uh, pretty messy. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, there's a million municipal sites that need to be scraped and cleaned and cross-checked. Uh, so it's a pretty arduous process. Yeah, and it strikes me that it, some of the some of the benefits of the so-called big data movement are actually pretty mundane stuff like getting all the data, getting the rows and columns right and getting all the timestamps right and all that stuff. Pretty mundane exactly, stuff, yeah, but but totally. tremendous value if you can go through the work of doing that. Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, just even getting all the data collated and cross-referenced and in the same, you know, Amazon database right. with the columns correctly named is a big win uh, because it is really valuable data. Yeah. So, so Seth, you don't seem like you're from Latin America, nor do you seem like you're in the oil industry. Where where did this idea come from and where how did you get involved? Yeah, yeah. so uh uh the, the credit for the idea really goes to my uh, great co-founder and our CEO, Ross Lubeckin. So he's yeah. a Wharton grad, class of 2017. Yeah. Um, he's from Texas uh, and had worked in the oil industry his entire mm-hmm. uh, young career for about eight years before business school. Um, so he was actually running a third-party energy research um, uh, division in Brazil, the Brazil office of the largest incumbent for a number of years before uh, business school, worked in energy private equity mm-hmm. and actually bought um, a went, worked on a deal where they bought uh, a third party energy research company. And um, he saw the difficulty that energy research companies had with covering this uh, Latin American space because they didn't know where the data was. It's hard to get and uh, kind of realized that taking this more machine learning, big data approach to forecasting production as opposed to analysts with Excel spreadsheets, uh, kind of big round whole numbers could really uh, improve the way things were done. Mm-hmm. And then how did you get involved? Yeah, so I'm doing a PhD uh, 
at the Warden School in Statistics mm -hmm. uh, with a focus on machine learning. I work in computer science. Um, and I was TAing Ross's uh, introductory statistics class. Uh, when he in was the, a In student. the business school, yeah. Ah. Uh, during my second year of grad school. And actually, Emil Pitkin, who's another Wharton professor, yeah. introduced us. So. Wow. So that, that leads me to a question maybe you can help, help, us, help our listeners with. It, I, one of the questions I get, I would say I get it from every third entrepreneur is, a student entrepreneur is, how do I find a technical co-founder? And especially in a really hot field. And I suppose that's a two-part question. The first is, uh, why aren't you working, you know, on the AlphaGo team at, at Google, right, or something like that, which is a is is going to be their tremendous opportunities at some of the big tech companies in industry yeah. generally yeah. for the skill set you have. So that would be on you know at the personal level. But then more generally, what advice would you give to entrepreneurs who are trying to find technical co-founders? in a really hot field. Yeah. yeah. So certainly this isn't as a, someone doing a PhD in machine learning, this wasn't the first time I've been approached to work on a startup. But what really uh, stuck out to me with Ross was, first of all, his uh, incredible experience in mm -hmm. the field. So he really knew what the kind of state of the art was and what could be done to improve it. Mm -hmm. And he had a very clear plan uh, in terms of whether it's raising money um, or the, the right you know clients to contact uh, the products that we would build. And I could really see that, um, you know, if I put the time in early, uh, it could really go somewhere. Because, you know, when you, uh, when you, you can build the best algorithm in the world, yeah. but if it's not being used by somebody, it's not as exciting. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, yeah, maybe try and appeal to the technical co-founders entrepreneurial bent, as opposed to, you know, being the 10th the guy working on reinforcement learning on AlphaGo or something. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so what, what is appealing? And what was appealing to you? I mean, getting you know entrepreneurship, right? Gaining on the ground floor, yeah. and being part of something mm -hmm. that I certainly get. Mm -hmm. But but what about the uh, in terms of the te technical challenge? Yeah, so uh, it just seemed like a really untapped data set, mm -hmm. um, and the prospect of just being the first one to really make sense of it was exciting. Um, and also, just as a complement to my research, which is more theoretical, just mm -hmm. the ability to apply all the things I've learned. Um, you know, at Penn and uh, in the last couple of years on a real world challenge on a data set that matters was very exciting. Yeah. So it sounds like Ross graduated last last spring. Yeah. And so give us a sense of what the what the plan is here. you got the business plan com competition coming up. Yeah. But but I, I'm guessing he's sort of running right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. we're, we're yeah. both definitely running. Uh, we raised an initial round of funding mm -hmm. about a month ago. Um, and so we're kind of scaling up right now. We're preparing to deliver our uh, kind of flagship product, which is a portal uh, with Brazil and Mexico in about a month. Mm -hmm. And the team's about, uh, you know, we're hiring rapidly. So seven or eight full-time people right now. Yeah. So I, I did want, I know you're the CTO and, and probably Ross had to lead the fundraising effort. But, mm -hmm. uh, but I, wanted, I wanted to ask you a question about fundraising. This is a it's pretty arcane product and and it's... I wonder what what advice you know what lessons you've learned about how to pitch this and how to communicate it yeah. to somebody who isn't in this industry, and, so, and and maybe some reflections on that fundraising. So I think yeah. the fact that it is an arcane product yeah. was a blessing in disguise, yeah. because we really went to people who knew the space and knew what the value proposition uh, was, and it wasn't an area uh, where they're getting a lot of pitches like this. Um, so I think that worked to our benefit, and that's who our investors ended up being, mm -hmm. uh, kind of energy insiders, uh, mm -hmm. one being a large private equity firm, uh, energy private equity firm in Texas, 
and the others uh, being um, you know, private equity investors with a focus on energy. Yeah. You know, so I, I actually wondered, we didn't talk very long about the customer side. You mm. talked mostly about people who are directly in the oil and gas business. Yeah. But talk yeah. a little bit about those who make money off information. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that's yeah. almost an equally large yeah, client. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. just kind of got some. Um, but uh, private equity is a big potential client uh, because- uh, you know this. Yeah, you're right. This they aren't producing these assets, right. but they still need the data. They're still putting in the money, and so to give them a screening tool where they can easily visualize things is a big uh, value proposition for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's uh, potentially hedge funds, which is a little more uh, down the line, who trade say mini- municipal bonds yeah. backed by oil or yeah, all these. So things. this would be along the lines of those industries that, or those companies that provide weather data to private to hedge funds that are trading on agriculture right they're looking for some kind of information yeah edge. exactly and a little more curated because yeah. we also provide our own analysis and algorithms and valuations yeah. but yes yeah all right seth well uh it's super interesting and it's a nice example of an entrepreneurial opportunity growing out of prior experience where you're in a job, you're in an industry, you recognize an opportunity. And then I love the fe- the way the team came together here at Penn. So uh, good luck with the with the business plan competition or with the Penn Wharton Startup Challenge uh, next time. And thanks so much for coming in. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, so for more information about Welligence, you just go to welligence.com. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.